Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Way that we came, but may we be further transformed into the image of Jesus Christ so that we might impact a generation that needs you so desperately. Be glorified through this word now in Jesus' name. Amen. I will tell you, and I told Caesar a little bit, a little while ago, that um, my, my prayer is that God will give me the grace through the Holy Spirit to deliver um, what I've experienced last night and even got up pretty early this morning, way before daylight, and um, just spent time with the Lord. And, um, you know, there's, there's certain themes that God has kind of, through divine magnetism, pulled me into over the years. And uh, most people would probably say, well, Keith's like a revivalist. I deal a lot with prayer and intercession. I've talked about that here. Um, you know, some of those themes, the fire of God, the nature of God. And I've taught on many, many things in the colleges that I've taught at. But really, there, there's certain themes that, um, that are such a part of my, my life now that I cannot escape them. So oftentimes, I will find the Lord bringing me back to a theme that I preached in my 20s. And I started pastoring when I was 19. I'm almost 56 now. But, but sometimes, I'll find the Lord um, making me go back to a certain theme or a certain subject matter that I experienced in my maybe late teens or in my 20s or 30s or 40s. And he allows me to relive it with the experience that I've had over the decades that I've served him. And so this, this is not a new theme for me that I want to share with you this morning, but I will tell you this is a new theme for me that I will share this morning. How many of you have read the Bible before? And it's like, man, that's awesome. And then 10 years later, you read the same thing and you say, I have never seen that before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, and let me say this. Um, I, I believe that there are certain levels of, and I'll put it this way, deaths that you have to experience in yourself in order to fully apprehend God's divine purposes through certain themes and subjects in the Word of God. And I will tell you that, um, that this is one of those themes. Even as I went through this last week, and to be honest with you, 
Um, there was a couple of times this week that I thought about calling Brian and saying, man, I, you know me, I, I don't, Caesar knows me. If I say I'm gonna be somewhere, if I have to drive out into the middle of the swamps of Louisiana to get there, um, I'll do it. And, and I've done that. And, I, and you know, to me, I'll preach to two people the way I preach to 20,000. It doesn't matter to me if God opens a door. But I'll tell you something. Um, our family went through a level of brokenness this week that was very challenging. We have a, I have eight grandchildren. My oldest grandchildren will, grandson will be eight, grandchild will be eight in April. And maybe some of you have heard of him, Jude Peters. He's actually, his name is really known around the world. He's been on the front page of the New York Times. His story has ran in Munich, Germany, Tokyo, Japan. Um, the, the, the ABC affiliate came and interviewed my daughter a couple of days ago because of him. Anyhow, he was born with a very rare form of dwarfism. It's called rhizomelic chondrodysplasia punctata. Um, we just call it RCDP, it's easier. But um, we were told that he would not live outside the womb. And then when he did live outside the womb, <laughs> they put him on morphine and said, he, you might have a week or two with him. We never gave him the morphine. We just gave him Jesus and started worshiping and prophesying over him. And um, almost 10 years later, he's still here. <laughs> Amen. Um, you know, obviously it's been a challenge. He's 10 years old and weighs about 19 pounds. He's about this big. He's still in, I think, nine to 12 month clothing. And he'll probably never grow beyond that without a real divine miracle. Um, he eats through a tube in his stomach. He's nonverbal. He does laugh and he makes noises, but he's never been able to communicate or his, he's, he's, he's a quadriplegic. His, his, I mean, he can move a little bit, but he can't like put his hands, nothing like that. So very challenged, com complex medical challenges. And um, most of these kids um, pass away in the first two years. If they live beyond two years with this condition, and there's only like 60 in the world that we know of. But if they live um, beyond two years, they're considered long-term survivors. So the last year has been very challenging. I'm talking about what it means to be broken this morning. Um, he's dealt with kidney stones and they can't figure out why he keeps having kidney stones. And he's passed like seven or eight in the last year. And just, you know, the little guy just shaking in pain and sweating. And it's just horrible to even watch. And we just pray and pray. And this, this past week, he was hospitalized with a high fever and they took him in and did a CT scan and a stone was large enough that it lodged between the kidney and the bladder and the urine could not get into the bladder to be released through the urethia. So anyway, long story short, he gained or had an infection because of the backed up urine and was his, his urine was septic, so to speak. And um, so anyhow, they had to go in and do a surgery a few days ago and um, put two stents in the bottom of his kidneys, both kidneys, and they're going to go in in two more weeks and remove the kidney stones by the grace of God. We're just believing them to be dissolved. But, you know, anytime he goes under anesthesia, and he's only been under anesthesia a few times, he's so little, his lungs are so tiny that it's always a major, major deal. And like the leading anesthesiologist, the leading ENT specialist, you know, the leading, any kind of doctors always have to be there. So they always tell us, and there's a chance. So anyhow, long story short, he came through beautifully. Amen. People were praying around the world for him. But I will tell you something. Um, it's changed my life. 
you understand? I mean, it, when I say it's changed my life, I mean, of course, you know, I've got three daughters that are grown. My prayer was, well, I don't care if you know, people say, what do you want, a, a, a boy or a girl? I said, I don't, that, that really doesn't matter. I just pray that they're healthy. And they all three, all three of my girls were healthy. Um, to have a grandchild that's born with a condition like this, to be a man of faith and a preacher and a person that sees miracles and has been blessed to live in the, the depths of God's presence and his glory and to listen to a little guy crying out in pain for 10 hours at a time because of a kidney stone, to be honest with you, it doesn't just break me, it, it shatters me. And, and this might, and it is paradoxical, um, might sound interesting to you, but, um, but I will tell you that through the level of agony that, that we've gone through emotionally, um, it brings us to the place to, to where there's only one solution, and that's we got to have you, Jesus. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he didn't say, God, because you keep me from the valley of the shadow of death. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, God. He said, in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. And I have to tell you, um, there's a table that's been prepared for myself, for our family, in the presence of brokenness and pain and physical, mental, psychological anguish over the last 10 years, even this past week, that um, does not bring me, I, I have to be honest with you, I, I'm not in a place where I'm questioning the goodness of God. This, again, this might sound strange to some of you this morning, but I'm in a place where I'm experiencing the faithfulness of God, even in the dark situations. Now, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. Um, before my grandson was born, a good friend of mine, Caesar knows this brother, will be up there preaching for him in Maryland in a few weeks, Mike Robinson. The Lord gave him a prophetic word about my grandson. And he said, his life will speak to the nations. And I'm telling you guys, I was checking in my hotel room in Jerusalem a few years ago, right before the COVID situation. And I was in um, a hotel checking in and two ladies came up to me, a little up in age, and they were like, are you baby Jude's grandpa? <laughs> so these ladies, from, two Jewish ladies from Brooklyn, New York, but they, they, they knew my grandpa. I, I've been literally, I've been in places around the world. I mean, in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam, Holland, the Netherlands, where I've had a man in a restaurant come up to me and said, are you Jude Peter's grandpa? So I, my point is this, God has used him to speak to the nation. But listen to this, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Hannah, his mother's name is Hannah. She has received hundreds, I'm not, I don't want to embellish this, but it's like over a thousand, I don't know how many over a thousand of messages, emails, you know, stuff through social media messaging where women have not aborted their babies because of my grandson's testimony. <laughs> Amen. So I, I, I want to say this to you this morning, I'm going to preach on this. There is a joy in brokenness. It's, it's, it's deeper than our empirical senses, what we feel, what we hear, what we see. It's, it's deeper than 
circumstances. How many of you know that circumstances change like the weather and the wind? Last night we got here, and it was crazy raining <laughs> for a while. Last night we got here and we pulled up to the place, water everywhere, and it was kind of muggy and humid. About one o'clock in the morning, I was abruptly awakened by this violent Russian mighty wind outside my window. And I got up this morning and most of the water was dried up. I mean, and, and sometimes life is like that. I mean, there can be such drastic changes, but I want you to hear me this morning. There is a depth of intimacy when it comes to knowing Jesus to where it really doesn't matter what the circumstances, what the challenge may be. There's joy that is available to those of us that really know the Lord. And I want to tell you this, there is a joy that's experienced in brokenness, or we could use the word meekness that is only experienced in that place. I want you to turn with me this morning, if you would, to, um, to the book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15. This is the amazing narrative of what it means to abide in him, to abide in his love. Beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture. And it, just go to verses one through three this morning. I'm just going to focus on that. But before I do that, there's, there's something that, that David said in Psalm 51. Many of you that you really study the Bible realize that Psalm 51 is a penitential psalm, it's, or it's a psalm of repentance. And it's actually a psalm that was written in response to David being found out by the prophet Nathan that he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had sent her husband to the front lines where he was killed. And really, David was guilty of adultery. David was guilty of murder. David was guilty of deception and all of these type of things. So here, David begins to cry out. And in like, you know, 14, and he's like, deliver me, God. Lord, he's saying, Lord, um, you know, restore the joy of my salvation. He's crying, even in the end, were parts of my beings. He's asking God to cleanse him. But there's, there's something that he says here that is definitely connected to this psalm. However, I believe it has a broader focus. And we can even see that through some of the other stories, especially in the Old Testament. But listen to what he said here in verse 17. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Now, David was a man that understood Torah. He understood the sacrificial system of the, the tabernacle, the temple. He, he understood what it meant to offer sacrifices unto the Lord. But in his walk with God, he also understood that what's really appealing and what really pleases God is brokenness. A broken and a contrite spirit or a heart of Contrition. So I want you to remember that as we go into the word this morning. Look at John 15 and verses one through three. The Lord says here that I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I think the King James says the husbandman. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. But listen to this. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? that it might bear or that it may bear more fruit. Now, this, this almost is a paradox. God said, listen, those 
branches that are not bearing fruit, he removes them, he takes them away, they're, they're burned up in the fire, they are useless. However, the ones that are fruitful, the ones that are being used for the kingdom of God, he deliberately cuts them back. He, the word here is prune. Anybody ever prune bushes or trees? I do it every year around my house. And I, I know that by pruning those bushes or even by pruning trees, that it causes growth to be more healthy and for the, the plant to sustain even harsh elements. And the Lord is saying, if you are fruitful, not if you're in compromise, not if you're neglecting prayer, not if you're neglecting the house of the Lord, but he said, if you are bearing fruit, realize something, God's gonna cut you back. Why? So that you might bear more fruit. Can I tell you that um, it's through brokenness that God has allowed all of us to even be where we're at this morning. Listen, there's a brokenness that comes from sin. That is not what I'm talking about this morning. That's a whole nother message. And, you know, I, I, I preach that sometimes, especially when I feel that evangelist gift on me. That is not where I'm at this morning, my friend. There's a brokenness that comes through rebellion, that comes through sin, that comes through compromise. And, and it, we, we all know broken and shattered lives. I believe, you know, we live in a culture now that is so given to self-gratification. But it's interesting, the more that people try to satisfy themselves, the deeper they go into the brokenness that sin brings. That's why suicide is so prevalent. That's why drug addiction and overdoses and alcoholism and divorce and all the things that we see in our culture and, and all the, 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 the almost aggressive desire to, to be somebody and to prove their identity whenever there's no real joy in that. But there's this aggressive desire that humanity has to have themselves fulfilled. But I'm telling you, the only place you can truly be fulfilled is in a walk with Jesus Christ. So there's a brokenness that comes from sin, but I'm telling you there's a brokenness that comes through righteousness. There's a humility and a meekness that comes through serving God. Can I be real honest with you? This is very transparent. Um, I, I don't, you know, as I look at my life, my teenage years, my 20s, 30s, 40s, now my 50s, I can listen to some of the sermons I pray. I still have a few cassette tapes when I was 19. Anyone want to hear those? My voice sounds like this, but <laughs> it's like I'm still going through puberty when I'm 19, pastor in a church. <laughs> but some of the stuff that I preached was very real then, but it's like, what in the world was I even thinking about? And let me be, let me take this another step further as far as transparency. Um, I mean, I've always loved G. I, I was radically delivered from drugs and perversion as a teenager. And I'm gonna go into that. I've shared that here before. But, um, and I love Jesus, man. I was on fire and I've been burning. And by the grace of God, he's kept me all these years. I've been faithful to my wife or we'll be married 38 years in August of this year. So all that, all that kind of stuff. Thank God for that. But until God brought me to a place to where in my flesh, I didn't even wanna do ministry anymore. I don't believe I was even qualified to carry the glory of God. 
But let me kind of qualify what I'm saying here. Um, there's, there's this human aspiration that I don't care how holy you are and how spiritual you are, especially a young person or a young leader. I mean, there, there's something inside of us that wants to be seen and accepted and even promoted. I mean, the Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. Listen, anytime I've tried to self-promote, I had to really work hard to stay there, <laughs> right? But anytime God promotes, friend, there's just a flow in the Holy Ghost. And the Lord does the work and he provides the opportunities and the resources and all of those kind of things. But I'll be honest with you. Um, there was a time in my life, went through a really challenging season. I, I call it the dark night of the soul. Anybody ever been here? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever experienced this kind of stuff. And I was loving the Lord. And, you know, when I first got saved, man, in my 20s and 30s, I was doing like these 40-day fasts and 21-day fasts. And, man, just going. I was going to be Smith Wigglesworth. And, man, I was going to, I mean, I was bringing back the Reformation to America and all this. I mean, literally, man, I was it. And I was serious about it, man. I was reading, man. I, I, I can still, I can see, I can spout off dates and names because, man, I was like, I was like, you know, memorizing all this stuff because, man, I'm going to be just like those people. And the Lord pretty much ajarred me or arrested my heart in my early 30s and took me through a place of many months where I didn't even feel the presence of God once. And I remember even, listen, I'm being real honest with you this morning because I think it's important for us to hear this in connection with what God is gonna do and wants to do through your lives and even through this house. Listen, I remember being in a place where I questioned my salvation. Because I didn't, I mean, there was, it was like, has this all been real? And of course, in the inner being of who I was, that spirit part of me, the deep of me that called out to the deep of God, I knew that God was real, but my human spirit was warring against my spirit man that's tethered or connected to the eternal spirit of God. And I came to a place, I remember, I had an old Thompson chain reference King James Bible that I had worn out in about 12 years. And I remember I took that Bible and I was in, lived in a little trailer, a little mobile home in Tallahassee, Florida. And I took that Bible and put it on the kitchen floor. And I said, God, I don't even want to do this anymore. I'm just so tired and so consumed with, with trying to be something. I'm not seeing what you promised in your word. God, you, you, you said this could happen and that could happen. Lord, what's going on? I mean, there were challenges even in our finances. But it was in that dark night of the soul that the Lord visited me, even by way of dreams. In other words, I, I pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed for months. And then I got to a place to where I didn't even want the ministry anymore. I wasn't interested about the open doors. I wasn't interested in pastoring again. I wasn't interested in another missions trip. And the Lord through abasement brought me to a place a freedom where I let go of the ministry and just gave my heart to Jesus freshly and allowed him to do what he wanted to do. And all the other stuff just became, even though it had some reminiscence of importance, it just became something in the past. Why? Because it was the glory of Jesus that became more important than the glory of Keith Collins. So let me tell you something. 
I question leaders that have been in ministry for 20, 30 years that have no scars. We all walk with a limp, or I do. You understand what I'm saying? If you've not had a Jacob and a Penal experience where you've wrestled with God and you left that wrestling match crippled and dragging a leg, then there's too much of you in your calling. Unless you come to a place to where the cross is not just the place you visit when you're born again of the Spirit of God, but the horror, the bloodiness, and the beauty, and the glory of the cross is before you constantly or incessantly. It is that that qualifies you to carry the glory and the power of God. It is only by brokenness, friend, you literally, can I be honest with you? I, I, I have fear every time I preach. I don't care if it's 20 people or 2,000 or if I'm standing before 30,000 people in Africa, 30,000 Muslims, and we've been there. And I don't mean fear because I fear, I don't, the crowd, I mean, that's not even an issue with me at this point, I guess, because you do this so much. But I have a fear that, that I'm getting up in learned behavior pattern or education and theological degrees, and I've been down those roads. I, I have fear that, that I'm just getting up and just reciting another Bible lesson or a Bible study or maybe five points and on and on, and, but there's no glory, there's no fire, there's no power, there's no presence. So my heart is God mess me up and wreck me before I ever stand before people. And if God needs to make a fool out of me, or I would even stand and say nothing and the glory of God just falls, then you'd be glorified, Jesus. You see, brokenness brings you to the end of yourself. It reveals, it illuminates, it polarizes the poverty of self. You see, I, I can, and Caesar knows this, I can teach you how to take a passage of scripture and to connect four or five points to it or three points to it. And there's some merit, and I'm not saying all that's wrong. But man, I can do that and not even pray. I can do that and live a hypocritical life and have things in my closet that nobody knows about. But listen to me, through brokenness, through the holiness and the beauty of Jesus, it brings us to a place where we are undone. And we realize that only Jesus is worthy. And this is not my ministry. This is something that I have to steward through a heart of purity, through the cross, through walking with the Lord. And my soul nature must be firmly fastened to the cross with Christ. We've been crucified with him, but we've also been resurrected with him. I told you it was paradoxical. There's, there's a, and I, don't have, I don't really have, I mean, you know, I did the college, but I don't have human dialect to describe what I'm feeling in my heart right now. By the Holy Spirit, I believe the deposit of the Lord is brooding in this room and even through the internet to awaken you to this deeper place of intimacy with Jesus to where you can say with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, 
but now it's Christ that lives in me. In other words, listen, my responsibility is the cross. His responsibility is the resurrection, right? It's amazing. The kingdom of God is backwards, and it's supposed to be. I mean, to live, you have to die, right? To be promoted, you have to be abased. You understand? It's, it's the nature of the kingdom of God, and we live in such a marketing generation that we feel like Jesus is not enough, so we have to market the Messiah to make him palatable to a dying generation. Can I tell you something? Through intimacy with Jesus and through giving him the glory, there's a brokenness that's experienced where we carry the very glory of God ourselves. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.